Nerding in California is always lots of fun. There's so much of it, you'll never be done. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Hannah and Eric Go Birding, the podcast by birders for birders. I'm Hannah, and he's Eric. We created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions that we have on different birding topics. We're definitely not experts in anything that we discuss that might be controversial. We want you to remember there are own opinions, and they might be different from yours. I like how you laugh at the end of every one of my songs. You've mentioned that a couple times. I mean, I, I think it's silly. So we... I, You're we, just like... Huh. <laughs> um, so we, we, I, I typed it as never with a bunch of R's uh-huh. for the for our notes for it. And I was thinking when, when listening to you sing it, it wasn't never, it was never. So it was like... You just it was in the middle. I, I didn't put the right accent inflection. on there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry I didn't sing it the way you wanted. No, no. I took an artistic liberty with it. I took an artistic liberty with the notes. (laughs) Okay. Anyways, that's that's some insight as to how this podcast is put together. (laughs) And some people's least favorite part of the show. (laughs) Um, So, uh, getting into it, uh, any news that you can think of? I can't think of anything. I'm I'm a little bit distracted, given that we're uh, not... In our normal uh, recording setting. Having a little difficulties with Wi-Fi and getting access. So uh, I haven't really been trolling social media to see what's new. Been trying to avoid the internets. Like just kind of (laughs) birding instead of playing on the internet. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm sure there's some big giant news story that we are missing right now. (laughs) That everyone is talking about. And they're like, why are Hannah and Eric not talking about this giant news story that's affecting everything? We don't have good enough birding friends to text us and be like, did you hear? (laughs) Yeah, we haven't heard. So that's that's where we stand. We don't, we don't know what's in the news. We'll be a week late. Um, okay, so then any new reviews? No, I checked that and there are no new reviews. Okay. So that's, that is one bit of news that I did check <laughs> and that doesn't exist. We, okay. don't, we don't have any new ones. Nice. But you have an episode. I last, do. Last week? Yes. Yeah. Um, I interviewed Hannah Bourne-Taylor, who is a writer uh, based in the UK who just is recently putting out her first memoir um, detailing her adventure in Ghana. For I think she lived there for seven years with her husband. And uh, she had some really fascinating stories about how she connected with a bronze bronze mannequin and uh, rescued a little baby bird, and that really changed her perspective on being there and about birds and conservation. So... Check that out and check out the cocktail as well, which is a bronze mannequin, and it was delicious. You tried it. You liked yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, so check that out. Um, you're just trying to make drinks that I'll I'll like. Cause I'll, I feel like that's what you're trying to do. You're like, oh, Eric will like something like this. Well, I have a, a very a more varied palate when it comes to drinks than you do. Yeah, and so I'm when not... when you like a drink, then it's like, okay, other people are going to like this. <laughs> well, it's because I generally don't drink them, but, you know. Yeah. Whatever. He's he's a beer man. A beer man, just plain old boring. Give me, give me a, a hazy IPA. Give me give me some weird beer, and that's fine. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm not a brewer. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe start brewing some beers for. Are these. you kidding me? We don't have space for that. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, check out uh, Women Birders Happy Hour anywhere where you listen to your podcasts. So, so we did confirm that we are going to the Rio Grande Valley um, yes. at the end of this month, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, so Spring Chirp is a festival that they hold in the RGV every spring that's kind of the antithesis or the opposite of uh, the regular Rio Grande Valley bird festival. So you've it's got you've a got the fall festival. Yes, yeah, so, so you've got the fall Rio Grande Valley. It's a huge festival. You have giant buses, you have tons of people. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's really well known and lots lots of vendors, lots of stuff. And then you have Spring Chirp, which is equally as good birdie, but it's a much smaller, more intimate festival. So we're super excited to participate. For first time actually getting to to guide and participate at this festival. So you know, and I've been be, feeling be fun. I've been feeling really down that we're gonna like miss warbler migration <laughs> this year. It's like, oh, we're not gonna go see any warblers, but now but we now are we going are. to see some warblers. Yeah. And I'm super jazzed about that. I'm gonna go go down to Gulf Coast, uh, Southern Gulf, Gulf Coast. Yep, <laughs> Rio Grande Valley. Get and some really good food and nanas and, oh, and see some colorful little birds. I'm I'm looking forward to. Um, to taco palenque. I know you don't like taco palenque, but I love the I love the noodle thing. Oh my gosh. The the noodle thing that comes with everything. It's that noodle soup or whatever it is. That stuff's good. Yeah. It's it's really plain and boring. It's like I I, I think it's basically the equivalent of uh, like Chef Boyardee. Like, I was thinking or it tastes like spaghettios. Yeah, it's like spaghettios. Yeah, it's something like that. It's a, but, like a spicy spaghettios. Yeah, but it's really good. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so we're doing that, and then in July it looks more and more likely that we will be at Global Bird Fair. Global Birding Bird Fair in the UK. Yeah, global uh, Bird Fair, yeah. Yeah, Global Bird Fair. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Um, if you're going to be there, hope to see you. I hear there's something like 25,000 people to go. So oh, okay. if you can find us in that crowd, that would be that'd be super cool. <laughs> um, but we're excited to go and, and see what all the buzz is about. I mean, it's, yeah. this is the first year of the new one, um, which I'm sure will be you know, an incredible first event, but we had always hoped to go to the, the old bird fair. So. Yeah, the UK bird fair, the British bird fair. Now yeah. It's, now it's global bird fair. Exactly. It's, it's expanded its reach. It should be significantly larger, I would think. Maybe, we'll it's see. It's global instead of just uh, British. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, our last thing, news-wise, is the bird nerd giveaway. Is that news? I it's, think so. It's breaking headlines. We should have a little banner that runs across the bottom. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, so anyways, so uh, we've got our Bernard giveaway, our last little bit before we get into the, the actual meat of what we're talking about today. And we decided because it's getting into spring migration and there's going to be a lot of breeding birds soon uh, that we wanted to help you know, facilitate that and yeah. provide them with what they need when they're in those uh, migratory, you know, movements and also when they're at in their breeding ha territory so um what one lucky winner will win is kind of a collection of uh, bird feeding supplies that we will acquire from our local uh bird shop our backyard bird shop which yeah. we did interview someone from backyard bird shop a couple of years ago mm -hmm. about um bird feeding and so yeah. this is apt for us to, <laughs> to purchase I, I think, it from I think them. it was almost exactly a year ago. I think it was last spring. Was it? When we interviewed her, yeah. So go back and listen to that. Uh, that's the shop we'll be using, but we're going to get a collection of different bird feeding gear, and one winner will win that. Yeah, and as soon as we get home, we'll post pictures of what that bird feeding gear is that you get away win. It'll be a number of feeders and some suet and stuff like that. But it's things that are great for um, either replacing the feeders that you already have, which I feel like is kind of what... We need to do. Our feeders did not survive the winter very well. Yeah, we also lived in a place where, uh, you know, the weather eats the metal. So yeah, it it you get one one year out of a metal feeder. I know our poor suet feeders. I they're know. just crumbling. They just fall to pieces. It's you get one spring and then they're they're garbage. It's not the manufacturer's fault. It's the ocean's no, fault. It's salt. The salt air. 
Yeah. It's it's rough. And so what we want you to do, and they, the deadline is April 19th, what we want you to do is to send us what your favorite backyard bird is. The one you look forward to every year or the one you enjoy having um, come to your feeders or you see in your backyard year round. Of course, uh, not everybody has a backyard. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to say like whatever bird you see fly past your window or, you know, that comes to your patio or whatever the case may be. Well, in the spirit of that, my favorite backyard bird, when I lived, like, be- before we got married, like, right, right before we got married, I had an apartment. It was, like, on the third floor of a building um, in, in just south of Portland. And I would have um, black-headed grosbeaks, not very commonly, but <laughs> occasionally I would have this, I had this little feeder that would attach to the window. Yeah. Which is not necessarily great because it's so close to the window, but um, this little feeder attached to the window that it was probably, like, Maybe once or twice it happened, but a black-headed grosbeak would just plop, plop onto the thing and grab a handful of nuts and just take off. Or seeds, I guess. They weren't nuts that yeah. they were grabbing, but I, w- I was just super cool. So black-headed grosbeak for me. And it's, it wasn't even a backyard. There was one tree out in the distance, and we're, I was in the middle of an apartment complex, and I'm on the third floor of a building. So you don't have to have a backyard, dude. To get birds. Yeah. yeah. Well, and my favorite right now is um, the chestnut-backed chickadees that we've oh, had yeah. coming to our feeders. Uh, we have two cats, which I don't... We haven't really talked about the cats all that often. Anyways, we have two cats, <laughs> and they're indoor cats, but they enjoy um, looking out the windows at the birds that come to the feeders right nearby. And they like chest- to chirp at them. They do. <laughs> the chestnut-backed chickadees are almost always coming to the suet feeders and getting something and flying away, and it just... I sit there with our cats and we're all like watching. So that's that's one of my favorites. There's also so tiny. I just can't imagine. I can't believe that a bird is that tiny. Like I know there's tinier birds. There's, but... there's lots of smaller birds, but I, I feel the same way, especially when we're doing like yard work or something and we're out there working and we'll be underneath one of the suet feeders, like pulling weeds or something. And a, the chickadee will like land right above your head. It'll yeah. be like a foot above my head or something. And it's like, that thing is so small. How are you so small? Like it's not, it's not even the size of my palm. Like it's just like this little tiny thing this and it's chip, 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 as it comes in and yeah. Yeah, so um that's how you yeah. win the bird nerd yeah, giveaway. Tell us your favorite. We'll randomly select one entry. So April nineteenth, mm-hmm. what's your favorite backyard bird? Yes. So, so into the main story. Okay. Let's let's get into let's, it. Let's if you, if you skipped, this is where you'll skip to. Okay, you'll, skip You'll miss the bird nerd giveaway, you'll have no idea what you're not winning. But uh, here we go. So um, we recently headed down to the San Diego Bird Festival. Uh, this is was our second time going to it, and we were super excited to be going back. We missed it uh, so much <laughs> when we weren't there. The The first year we went was literally the week before, two weeks before COVID all shut down the entire world. So yeah. it was like the world was currently shutting down while we were there, and, and we, we had no idea. And we didn't think it was that serious. Yeah. You're so dumb. Yeah. Back two then. two years later, we're still still dealing with this whole thing. So, so that was the last time we were in San Diego. This this time it was um, a little bit different. We didn't. Uh, it wasn't nearly as large of a festival as it as it was in the past. But uh, but it seems it seems to be coming back. It sounds like they um, they had a lot more interest this year than they did last year. Last year, I believe they went all virtual or clo- close to all virtual. Probably yeah. So um, this year it was much more interest. Lots of people showed up. So mm-hmm. that, that was good. Our all yep. of our trips were full yep. throughout it. So we decided, yeah, well, let's do this. We'll go down there. We'll we'll enjoy this festival that we missed. 
so much. Yeah. So we decided to drive down from Portland because the, the ticket prices were just like super expensive. It was during President's Day weekend. Mm -hmm. And so like the day we were going to fly home was President's Day and it was, it caused the ticket prices to like double or triple. And that was before the whole, the gas. Yeah. Before um, the gas prices the fuel, blew up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we decided to just drive. And as we started down we realized that wow the the fuel prices are starting to rise because it was like five dollars a gallon in like northern california which is a lot yeah so that was that was that was pricey but i, I still feel like doing the math afterwards it's still we saved money driving versus flying still. and we also had a good drive and and we had a road trip out of it we, yeah we had had a handful of targets that we wanted to hit there was um and and also the national wildlife refuges like you exactly. you see you see them on the map like if you look at a map of national wildlife refuges if you focus in on California it basically dots the entire central valley just mm -hmm. all the way down you have in the middle of farm fields there'll be random NWR like just bup, 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 all all the way down so it's like this is our chance we get to spend two days two ish days like trying to explore as many of these things as we can hit. Mm -hmm. And in addition to these really cool spots, there was also uh, a few targets. Uh, Ferruginous Hawk was, yeah. was one of the big ones that I feel like we've searched for a handful of times and, and had zero success. Yeah. So, But we were like, okay, let's give it another try. Yeah. They're being seen. And so we you know, looked at the target species, mm -hmm. and that was one of the key ones. And so we just mapped it to like the nearest one and ended up being Calusa National Wildlife Refuge. It was the closest one to the highway. Yeah. <laughs> and Ferruginous hawks had been reported there. So Calusa National Wildlife Refuge is part of the Sacramento National Wildlife Refuge complex. It's about 70 miles north of Sacramento and ended up being a really good stopping point for us for the night before. Yeah. And so we didn't have to go that far the next morning to get there. And the refuge is a little bit more than 5,000 acres and composed mostly of wetlands. There's some grassland and some riparian habitat. And like Eric mentioned, there's a lot of these little refuges that dot the valley. Um, and that helps provide places for wildlife to live and use without putting excessive pressure on the nearby farmlands, which is really cool that, you know, the National Wildlife Refuge and, and the government, in, in some ways, you know, they look at like, well, there's, there's a lot of pressures here with these species that are coming and, you know, eating these farms. And so then they, you know, decide to provide habitat in those areas whether it's with um specific purchases of land or whether it's donations that people have made but that's just a, a cool way to see how wildlife managers can work with like local communities to mitigate problems yeah i, I did think that was interesting because like we were talking about that while we were driving driving through like i wonder if these are all here in order to help the farmers like wildlife more, because you don't, you don't, you don't have your, you don't have the geese coming in uh -huh. and just like chowing down on all of your, crops. all of your newly planted crops for the spring or or st stuff like that, because the the geese are more interested in something that's more towards their liking, that's more natural to eat as opposed to just eating rows of wheat mm -hmm. or, or or whatever you're growing in that particular area. So that that was it, it was definitely interesting. Consider they're right in the middle of all these you have like a thousand acres of farm and just like this random plop of NWR right in the middle of it. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of, kind of interesting and kind of cool. And they also had a three mile auto tour loop, which makes it one of my favorite kinds of refuges. <laughs> driving refuge. Yeah. I like the driving <laughs> refuges um, because you can cover more land, you know, a smaller amount of time. Yeah. 
And it took you, it took us all the way around the wetland habitats and forested roads that were alongside it. And mm -hmm. so we were looking for ferruginous hawks and we were thinking like, okay, well, it's going to be in a tree line somewhere, you know? So like we could see when we entered in, we could see just wetlands and then there was a tree line in the back and like, we didn't want to rush over to the tree line to try to find it. Cause there's going to be lots of birds in between here and there. Exactly. But I was like anxiously like scanning the tree line to be like, <laughs> where's the hawk shaped thing? Yeah. So... Lots, lots of, lots of birds. These, yeah. these, these refuges do exactly what they're supposed to do. They are full of birds. There's snow geese and shovelers and pintails and coots and just like shorebirds galore. And like mm -hmm. there's gulls and eagles and just it's birds galore. Marsh wrens were calling the entire drive. Yeah, it, it was. I, lo I love marsh wrens. It's like the little tiny machine guns of the marsh wrens just <laughs> going off. It's su super cool. So. We we made our way around. Um, by the, by the time we made it to the tree line, the first hawk it was very exciting, <laughs> red shouldered. Yep. <laughs> it it was maybe maybe ten feet away from the road and did not care at all. I know we just parked and Eric took like a thousand pictures. I took a ton of, ton of pictures of this guy. He's like it was so far away I couldn't. I, I had to like back off on the zoom because then you know, I'm like trying to pull forward to get <laughs> further away from this bird so that we can properly get photos of it. But yeah, we. Took, took a bunch of photos of them and super just sitting there looking around and hopped up and turned around faces back towards us for a little while so and we thanked him drove on our way <laughs> um but yeah so it, it was fantastic birds um it was a little chilly but not super bad there wasn't really much wind there so that was it was really you know nice very pleasant uh refuge to start off the day with yeah but Finish that tree line. We get we get out of the tree line. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh no, we never saw the fruit. We never saw, never saw. It. We saw a cormorant down tails. the water, then just swimming along. What was there any red tails? Yeah, there was red tails. Okay. Yeah. I, for some reason, I put those completely out of my mind. I guess I was too focused on trying to find a fruitiness. Yeah, basically. Um, but we did. We had a bird fly towards us right over the front of the car and land in some cattails. Yeah, it was like a crash landing into cattails. Yeah. And and we didn't see well, we didn't see a pop up. It was just no. kind of like like sitting in the cattails and we were like how are we going to find this bird? How are we going to get to this bird? It's like, to, like 200 <laughs> to feet away it. from the road. He dropped into the cattails. The last little bit that we saw, I took I took a couple photos as he was dropping down and disappearing. Yeah. And it just looked, it was just so ratty. Like every single, every single tail feather was like destroyed. It's wing, it's primaries were all just like, we're all ratty. Like this is, this is a bird that's seen a harsh winter. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it is, it has just barely survived. But it, it, we were like, well, this might be, the, the, the rufus on the tail isn't quite right for a red tail. Yeah. Like this is. And it was really dark. So we were it like, it's got to be a dark morph red tail. Yeah. So we were sitting there like, well, I guess those really bad photos. Maybe we'll see another one. Yeah. So then we're sitting there, we're looking at it. And then I, I don't know if it was a noise or if, like, maybe it was a noise of it crashing on its way back up through the cattails. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. But it made us look over and it per, it worked its way up to the top again and then flew out. Mm -hmm. And we got a bunch more photos as it was flying away. And it it was a ferruginous. It, that was it. That was it. it. It took, it didn't take us that long. I mean, it took us years leading up to it. But yeah. Once we arrived at the proper refuge where they're where they've been seen, it didn't take us really that long. But uh, but that was it. A ferruginous hawk flying away from us. I feel like to go live its life with like, hopefully to molt those feathers and grow back some new ones that look better. Well, and it, it's been a nemesis bird for a long time. Like I mean, it's not a nemesis that like we're actively super searching for. Mm -hmm. It's just been like 
Yeah, that's our top target. It's, it's always been on the target list. Yeah. It's just there, taunting us. So, I mean, just to get that look at it was incredible for such a, for a nemesis like that. Yeah. And then as we were driving out, we saw another one in the tree. <laughs> I, I know. That other one was a much better looking. It, yeah. it was not nearly as, as, as destroyed. It's, the light was a lot worse. You, know, you couldn't get any photos of the other guy. But the but it, it was in a much better shape. It was yeah. much healthier for Utimus. Um, the other highlight of that location was in one of the, the ponds that was, like, right next to the water that was not as, um, like, long away mm-hmm. from us. So, I mean, the birds couldn't get that far away from us. Yeah. There was a herring gull oh, yeah, yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. over with some vultures for, like, I don't know what it was eating, but it was, like, a fresh kill. It, it was some duck of some sort. Oh, that, that's right. That, that something had got... I, I tried... I couldn't identify it even from the photos, but it was... Because it was, it was pretty ravaged. But... Yeah, but it, it was, <laughs> was funny because, like, the turkey vultures and the, the gull were, like, going at it, and the gull picked it up and then was, like, flying away, and it, like, it was it too heavy for it. for it, yeah. Yeah, so it, like, dropped it into the water and just kind of, like, sat on top of the water, like, nobody better come after me. I, I, thought, I thought that was a tactic. Like, it, it, it had used that as a tactic. Like, it's vultures, there was an eagle and the, and the two vultures that were definitely not interested in dealing with fighting a goal and fighting the water at the yeah. same time. Like, the goal was like, this is my territory. <laughs> I I like to float and eat things. You guys don't like to float and eat things, so this is my my kill now. So, that was pretty wild. And, yeah, that park was, or that refuge, sorry, it's not a park, it's a refuge, I know. Um, it was really a nice refuge, especially that it was, like, in the middle of, you know, this is an agricultural area, so mm-hmm. it's kind of an unexpected find. Yeah. And we didn't see anybody else there the whole time. No, there wasn't a single other, I, I mean, what, what was this? This is, like, on a Wednesday or a Thursday it's, or something like that? It was, like, like a that. Thursday, yeah. like, in the so, morning. So, it's, it's just, like, a middle of the week, so it's not, like, not really expected that you would see people, yeah. but... I expect at least one person. Yeah. So our next stop from there um, was a couple hours away, and it was to chase after a Pacific golden plover that had been seen in a group of black-bellied plovers in uh, the Merced National Wildlife Refuge, and which would be another lifer yeah. for us. So we we're, you know, just kind of checking off lifers at that point. Trying, or at least that was our out. goal. Yeah. Um, so a couple hours later, we arrived at the refuge and stopped at the front gate, and we were just in awe of the thousands and thousands yeah. of snow geese and greater white fronted geese and ducks and sandhill cranes and so much more that we're just creating this cacophony of calls. Eric um, had to run to the bathroom for a minute. <laughs> it was a long drive. And so, like, I just got out the scope and I was just, like, standing there with my jaw on the ground because <laughs> there were so many birds. And then they would, something would happen and they would all flush up and fly, you know, like, a couple hundred feet away. And plop back down. And it's just like, you know, when they talk about passenger pigeons flying, you know, and be like miles and miles of nothing but passenger pigeons. That, that was this. But yeah. snow geese and, and sandhills. Much less. But like <laughs> consolidated, <laughs> you know, like if, I, I don't know how to explain it any better. Just like a minute of the passenger pigeons rather than, you know, days of the passenger yeah. pigeons flying through. It's just, it was a solid wall of snow geese. Yeah, it was super cool, and and it was just so loud. Like you, I I, I tried to get some recordings of it, um, but it was from just, the bathroom. Well, once I got out of the bathroom, <laughs> I, I tried to get some recordings, of it, but it was just so loud that like it was also, it was also it was also windy. So yeah. it's kind of like what what's wind and what's this giant cacophony of noise that I'm recording? 
So unfortunately, I didn't really get any recordings, but man, that was, it was just like this steady, just like, just all, just all of those birds, just noise. Yeah. Cause, cause it is, there's shovelers and there's mallards and gadwalls and just everything making all of his noise <laughs> all at once. It's the kind whole of, time. It's just kind of funny being in a crowd like that because like, you know, if you're in a crowd of people, they're just talking and talking and talking. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel like you can really pick a whole lot out. But as I was standing there listening to just the all the ducks and the geese talking and talking and talking, I'd hear a sandhill crane. And it's like, yeah. I could identify that. I could pick that out of just this massive noise. Well, I, I, th- I think it's the same as like when you're with a giant group of people. You'll, you'll hear, like if you're in a giant group of people and you know a handful of people in that group. You'll you'll hear their voice, or you'll hear someone saying a certain thing. Oh, I was thinking and, like, and you'll pick you'll pick up those random things, but as a whole, you have this giant noise of the whole true. room, and so I, it was it was really similar. Like this is giant noise, and then every once in a while, if you're if you're trying to focus in on things, you're like, oh, I hear I hear some sandals, I hear yeah. some snow geese. Oh, there's there's a great, greater white friend. You'll you'll hear something that's through these different pockets. I was just thinking about it in like sitting in a barbecue joint in Texas, you know, <laughs> where there's all the like the be- picnic bench tables and oh, everything yeah, yeah, yeah. and you don't know anybody and it's just loud and everybody's eating. <laughs> that's kind of what I was thinking of. <laughs> that's, that, that, that is probably a good example because everyone's eating and all, <laughs> yeah. all these birds are eating. So it's everyone's eating and talking and just this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so <Anyways>. MRSA <laughs> National Wildlife Refuge has more than 10,000 acres of wetlands, native grasslands, vernal pond, pools, and riparian areas. And it hosts some of the largest wintering concentrations, which we were excited to see, yes. of uh, lesser sandhill cranes and Ross's geese along the Pacific Flyway. Their auto loop is about five miles long, and it was established in 1951 to attract wintering waterfowl to mitigate interactions with farmlands and crops. So just like it seems we like a talking... coincidence. This is kind of a running theme between these Apparently. national wildlife refuges, I think. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, drove the auto loop, and after we saw the those huge flocks of the geese and the the ducks and everything and it was like okay what more does this have to offer because that <laughs> are was just pretty gonna, are, are we just gonna see more and more thousands and thousands of geese exactly <laughs> i mean super cool but let's see some other stuff too no no that was enough no there, there was more though yeah. but um, wait there's more yeah so it was kind of like a big square uh to drive around the ponds mm-hmm. that they had we saw more shovelers. There were gadwalls, green wing teals. I think that's where we had some cinnamon teals also. Yeah, we had a couple there, I think. Um, and then a lot of American pipits were along the pathways. And it was yeah. pretty windy and cold, so we didn't really stop and get out and look too much. We, we got When we got to the um, the black-bellied plovers, yes. like, we got out. But it was so windy. It, and it was, it was cold. It was hard to stand still. Like So when you're, you hold up your binoculars and your neck strap or your harness or whatever you have on, it's like in the wind yeah. right next to your face and smacking you in the face as you're trying to look at stuff <laughs> so it's it, it, it's not as pleasant um when the wind's blowing at you sideways the whole time you're trying you're trying to hold your binoculars still or you're trying to hold your scope still and everything on you is just shaking in the wind mm-hmm. so it makes things it, it adds an extra level of challenge <laughs> to the whole thing but we scanned there there was there was a giant flock on that south side yeah. of black belly plovers and there was a couple thousand at least mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what I put on the I think you put checklist. 150. Oh, I, I messed that up then. <laughs> I messed that up bad. Um, but, <laughs> all right, I mean, probably one of the pictures I took, probably, probably you're getting, three, 400. Yeah. You're getting worse and worse deeper. I, I, I guess so, yeah. But, um, maybe I should go fix it before I post this episode. <laughs> um, but. Don't judge us. <laughs> um, but 
there, there was thousands. And so it was like, okay, let's start on one end and we'll just try to scan our way across. And it was just black belly plovers <laughs> after plover after plover after plover. No, uh, no golden faced ones. Yeah, no, no Bummer. Pacific golden. We tried. We looked at every single plover. We did. And uh, on the, so towards the, the way out, I had heard from one of the locals that was there when uh, Eric ran to the bathroom. I was talking to a family, and mm-hmm. they said there were badgers on the way out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was, like, scanning the field looking for badgers. <laughs> I was like, that's going to be so cool. And uh, we got out to an area where there were just a bunch of sandhill cranes that were yeah. just, like, dinking around. Like, I mean, Yeah, they weren't they... even eating. They were just, like, wandering around. <laughs> Like, do something. They were unorganized, too, is how I would describe them. Because Un- some unorganized. Of, some yeah. of them were, like, cleaning themselves. Others were just, like, standing there. It's like, come on, guys. Get get with the program. Yeah, there, there, there was there was a couple dancing. Yeah, that's there, true. There, there were a couple dancing, but there were, just, I guess, loafing would probably be a good term. I mean... <laughs> Other things loaf, goals loaf, maybe maybe sandhill cranes loaf. Yeah, too. maybe. And there were more black-bellied plovers there yeah. too that we had to look through to see if we could find any golden. There was a couple long-billed curlews. Yeah. So lots of shorebirds, lots of ducks, lots of waterfowl at uh, at Merced, but no Pacific golden plovers. Not that day, at least. Yeah. No. They're, they're like two days before, but not not that I know. day. Um, so we were kind of disappointed, uh, heading back down to San Diego because we had only gotten one lifer. Is that a phrase you say a lot? I was disappointed heading down to San Diego. (laughs) Not, not too frequently. (laughs) Um, so we ended up spending the night, uh, in Anaheim because we wanted to go to downtown Disney because that's our other great passion. Yes, I feel like we've talked about this. (laughs) Okay. Well, anyways, we stopped there for dinner downtown Disney, which was, um, it was kind of funny. Like, everybody was, like, rushing out of there. Like, we got there, like, eight or something like that. Yeah. And people were, like, rushing out of the park, and there had been this huge thunderstorm that we... Just before we got there. We had somehow missed. Like, Well, looking, so it was dark when we were driving in, and I could see lightning on the horizon, the south horizon, as we were coming over, coming down the hill, coming into LA. So it must have just been, kept going west then, because when we were going south, we didn't hit it. No. Um, Yeah, we didn't get wet the whole drive. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) So, yeah, so there was that, we stayed at a hotel that was nearby, and then we headed off the next morning, we were, our intention was to go to this, uh, this grand, it's, it was a grand soft opening of an Allbirds store. Yeah. That uh, that we've we've recently started a partnership with Allbirds. Um, they, they sell um, some shoes that are made out of uh, sustainable materials. Mm-hmm. They're comfortable or wool and cotton blends for the sole and for the uppers and stuff. They're they're, they're nice shoes. They're, they're really good shoes. They generally market towards uh, athletes. Mm-hmm. So they're like running shoes, hiking shoes, uh, trail running shoes. But then they reached out to us because they were interested in um, learning more about nature and getting in touch with that. So we are the people for that. I I guess we're the (laughs) non-athletes associated with uh, with Alberts. Non-athletes. Yeah, I've run a marathon, but I wouldn't consider myself an athlete. I've gone running once. (laughs) I've been running before. I've heard Um, this thing you have yogging. Oh, they're they're good shoes. I like I like them. I've been wearing them for a, a, a couple weeks now. I was trying to talk Eric into going like birding and jogging at the same time, and he like was like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of people that do that. Oh yeah, no. I, when I when I do go for a run, I'm I'm birding. I, I usually come back and I put in my eBird list when I oh, come back. Okay. It's an incidental list because I'm not really focused on birding. I don't have binoculars, but 
Yeah. Um, so anyways, anyways. We, we stopped at their store that they were just about to open, which was really cool because we'd never been to an Allbirds store before. Yeah, the closest and one to us in, in Portland in Seattle. Is Seattle so. Yeah. Um, so that, that was really cool to, to go there and it wasn't open yet. <laughs> they were still like putting everything together and they were going to have a party that evening. Yeah. We had a miscommunication on time about when they were opening. They were <laughs> like, oh, I thought it was supposed to be 11. And they're like, well, no, we got here to start setting up at 11. It's really? Like, oh. Okay. Okay. Well. Great. Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, I noticed that they had a San Diego location too, and that was on our, our route. Yeah. So we ended up going to the, the San Diego location. I got a pair of socks, which I'm excited about. <laughs> but then we also, oh man, so we'll talk about this a little bit later. I love secret bars, like yes. prohibition kind of bars, you know, yeah. I think they're knock, really... knock three times to get in. And yes, yeah. we've talked about that, that before. Yeah. yeah. And so as we're like, I looked up this whole list when we were going to San Diego, I was like, there's gotta be secret bars in San Diego. And so when we were going to the Allbirds store in San Diego at mm-hmm. La Jolla, we like it's inside this like outside mall and we were walking into it and i noticed next door to it there was a secret bar that was on my list (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a liquor store yes that has like so many brown liquors it's hundreds and hundreds of liquors dude it's a cool liquor store shelves 20 feet tall like these huge giant shelves completely full and then there's this random fireplace in the middle (laughs) that's got two chairs and it's like, it looks like an old style, like you're in the 1800s, 1700s, sitting mm-hmm. in a castle at a fireplace yeah. sort of thing. But uh, that is the secret door to get in. Which the bar was A revolving wasn't... fireplace. <laughs> the bar wasn't open. I know. <laughs> I was so disappointed uh, because it opened at like four and we were there at like noon or something. Yeah. So it wasn't open. So we couldn't go to the secret bar. I, I tried to of, peek in through the crack in the revolving door to try tried, to see what it was like in there. I tried to ask the employee, like, can we go see it? And I didn't want to be like, <laughs> um, we're influencers. Can we just get a peek inside? <laughs> I was, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull that card. You wouldn't pull that card. <laughs> She's going to be like, how many followers do you have? Not enough. <laughs> I, I have a follower. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyways, we went what? to that Allbird store. That was pretty cool. Um, and saw where that bar is that I wanted to go to, but, uh, it was, but that, but that was kind of spur of the moment. We just kind of happened to see it. So it wasn't, that was just, it wasn't like we were targeting to go to that. It was bar. wild. It was like karma that we yeah. just happened to be at the place that's next door to it. So that was pretty cool. So anyways, anyways. we continued on to San Diego, our destination for this trip. And, uh, we got to the festival headquarters, mm-hmm. which is the Marina Village and, um, got all checked in, you know, the bikes had already been unloaded, which was kind of nice. Um, <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad that we I didn't help unloading, unload them and toss them upstairs for them, but, but it was all done. It was yeah. all ready to go. Every, everything was all situated. We didn't have to do anything. Um, Jen had taken care of the whole situation. She was like, oh, nice to see you guys. Welcome back. And that was it. I was like, okay, well, now you guys are free. <laughs> it's like, well, we didn't even help with anything. So we decided to go check into our our hostel that we yes. were staying at. Um, so we could get prepped and ready for what we were about to experience. Uh, <laughs> and so this time we decided to stay in a hostel because, as you may have noticed, San Diego hotel prices have just, like, skyrocketed. Yeah, so th- and things also, have gotten more expensive in general all across the board. Yeah. So. And we're also there during President's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, it's going to end up being a little bit more pricey. So we decided this time to stay in a hostel. And I found one called Same Sun. Yeah. Um, they had a private room, so you didn't have to, I mean... 
we have stayed in hostels where you have to share a bathroom and all that. We haven't stayed in any dorm style no. rooms. Um, but you know, for security and all that stuff, because we have a lot of expensive stuff yeah, to bring with us. Yeah. It's, Cause you're constantly, especially, yeah, I wouldn't, I'm sure they're all safe yeah. generally, but you, you, you never know. So like when, when we're carrying optics and stuff, it's kind of like, eh, let's, let's keep our stuff. Let's, even when we're asleep, keep us behind a lock. Yeah. So anyways, um, this one was called Same Sun, and it was an ocean beach. And we've never been to Ocean Beach before. No. That area is happening. Like, <laughs> it has stuff going on all the time. And the the hostel was, like, in the middle of all of it. And there, yeah. when we got there, there was, like, a street market. And we couldn't park near yeah, a hotel park at all. Anywhere near, anywhere near the hotel. And then when we finally got to the... Um, or to couldn't the hostel. The hostel. Um, when we finally talked to the people at the front desk, we were like, "Okay, well, where should we park?" And they were like, "Oh, don't park anywhere near here." Yeah, <laughs> they were <laughs> like, "You should park I, three blocks in any direction away from here." Anywhere away from here in the neighborhoods, because uh, apparently they have had a lot of uh, break-ins and just random violence. Well, it's, that it's happens like, to cars there. Well, it, it was like. Two things. Like, there was the random violence. Like, somebody would get drunk, and they just take, a, like, a baseball bat and, like, break in every window down the whole street. <laughs> just because they're drunk and they're having a good time, I guess. Um, and ruining everyone else's time. Yeah. Or, also, they told us that the police officers, for whatever reason, ticket everyone. Yeah. On that main street. Even though you're allowed to park for as long as you want um, <laughs> overnight, but you have to leave by 7 a.m. You have to move your vehicle by 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. or something like that. Like, the signs say that. They'll still just give you a ticket. Just... Because. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll just follow their instructions and just park in the neighborhood, which which it made for interesting trying to find parking each Oh day. my gosh, that was such a that pain. Was, it was usually an extra like 20 to 30 minutes of mm-hmm. driving to find parking. And the hostel was really nice. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, we, like I said, we had our own room and bathroom mm-hmm. in it. And there nice was a comfortable little, bed. Yeah, and there was a little kitchen um, down the hallway that you could use. There was a lot of, like, cool, you know, this is what made me book this one, is that I looked at the pictures, and there was this whole outside seating area that was, mm-hmm. like, covered yeah. and had, like, surfboards and bikes and stuff and all the stuff you could borrow. And I was like, okay... If I want to come have a beer with people, this is like the perfect setting to do that. So that's why I chose that location. Um, and it just, you know, looked really cool. And that neighborhood ended up being really cool. I mean, it was a pain to park. Yeah, parking was a pain. But once you got past parking, then it, it was fine. Yeah. Like were... once once you had ditched your vehicle finally. When yeah. it, t- it took you long enough to ditch it. But once you ditched it, then everything was fine. You dro- drop, dro- We dropped off our optics back at the room and then we go wander down the street and There'd be bars and just stuff to see and, and cool and just cool stuff. Yeah, and the beach was just like a block away. There were yeah. people that were staying at the hostel that were like teaching yoga and surfing and all this stuff. So yeah. I, I felt bad that we didn't really get into more of the hostel vibe. But, you know, like one of the last days there was this guy <laughs> that was sitting there when we were all drinking coffee. And he was like, how long have you guys been here? And we are like, oh, like four or five days. And he was like, really? I haven't seen you this whole time. <laughs> no, he was like, no, you haven't. <laughs> and it's like no yeah we we, we checked in on, on Thursday or whatever, or whatever it was and he was like and, and I think that was Sunday isn't it? we were yeah. talking to him and he's like no you didn't he's like yeah we did we, we've been here he's like well I haven't seen you we're like, like we're birding we're... <laughs> we, we leave in the morning every morning and we don't come back until after dark I know 
And he's like, oh, okay. So, and, and then he lightened up and everything was fine. We had a nice long conversation with him. but Well, and we stayed at a couple hostels. And, like, I totally get that there's, like, a vibe. And there's people that, like, stay at hostels because they really like it. Yeah. Like, we really stayed there because it was kind of the cheapest option. And also because I wanted, you know, it's a different experience and everything. Yeah. But I really felt bad for not, like, getting into, like, the hostel community at all. <laughs> and, like, being a part of it. So, <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. That is, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, we, you know, we talked about going to the San Diego Birding Festival before mm-hmm. when we went a couple years ago. And this year, like you said, was kind of different because of COVID and everything. So masking and, you know, social distancing as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, they didn't fill the trips as much as they had in the past because of like, you know, bus sizes. L- limiting the size of buses and stuff. Yeah. Our trip wasn't limited because, well, I mean, it was limited to 10 people, which was... Which, which it was before, before yeah. Um, because we were out biking. And yeah. so we could distance a little bit easier and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we, we did the same thing that we did the last last time we came to the festival. We did uh, birding by bike um, around Mission Bay. So we ride, it's about 10 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we saw about, um, I think it was 89 species over the whole week. Um, I think on any given day it was in it was in the 60 to 65 range. I feel like that's really species. good for one of those trips. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good trip. It's, it's great. It's nice. It's... 10 miles sounds daunting. We do it over four or so hours. Mm-hmm. It's really, if, if you ride steady, you can get the whole route done in like an hour and a half. Yeah. If, if you just ride at a nice easy pace, steadily riding the whole way. But we're, we, we'll ride for like 10 minutes and stop. And yeah. then ride for 10 minutes and stop. And so it's, it's really not, it's not a hard 10 miles. There's one, one real big hill. It's the Ingram Bridge. Yeah. And that, and that's it. But but it's great. We we cover a ton of different habitat types. Um, mostly the bay mm-hmm. is mostly what we get. There's a handful of parks that we get into that have like ornamental trees, and then there's a section of um, native wetland that we pass through. So a bunch of little micro habitat types that that we hit. So that that's how we get such big numbers mm-hmm. of of species for just an, a nice leisurely bike ride around Mission Bay. But it's it's fun. We had I think we had ten participants almost every day. I think I th- so. I think there was like two days that uh, like one or two people didn't show up. Yeah. And they, they must have not set their alarm or something. But. <laughs> um, yeah. So our first day we went on our bike ride. You know, had a good time. Mm-hmm. Got to see all our friends um, in the expo. Yeah. So that was exciting. And uh, we had something in the afternoon to do, and so we had to like race to go get lunch and then come back to do whatever it was. We we, we had to come back and do. Um, so they offer the free um, estuary walks. Oh, that's right. Every, every day through the festival, um, anybody that's in the public or anybody that just happens to know about it can come and go do these free estuary walks, and they're kind of a community outreach sort mm-hmm. of thing. That um, you don't have to pay to be part of the festival. You don't have to pay to be, be part of a trip or anything. You just be in the area and see the sign and then follow the guide towards the estuary and and the guide. And and so, so we were leading one of those or you were leading one of those Mm -hmm. and I was following along. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so anyways, before we did that, we went and got lunch at Lucha Libre, which we were trying to go to some other taco store, but, um, we couldn't figure out parking there. So I like quickly Googled another, (laughs) seriously in San Diego. It's awful. Um, so I Googled another place and I was like, it's kind of far, but let's try this out. And so pedal to the metal, get down there. We went to it and it's, uh, it's Lucha Libre. It's near the airport. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, was it good? It was so good. The whole like little area neighborhood is like international restaurants or something. Like there was like a Greek place and a French place and 
Oh, I didn't um, realize there was more. I, I saw the yeah. Geek place. I didn't see the, any of the other places. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure there was tons of places I wasn't seeing because I was busy trying to not get run over while we were driving. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, so anyways, it's a Lucha Libre themed taco and burrito restaurant. It's kind of like, you know, they have takeout or you could sit there and eat mm-hmm. it. But it was all pink, and there were like pictures and masks of Lucha Libre all over the place. Yeah. So it was really cool. Oh yeah, it was it was super good. Hannah got the Auto Haba Pina California burrito. It was basically a pork and um, pineapple burrito. Yeah. It was so good. And it said habanero on it, but it wasn't. It just had the habanero flavor. Because I, I, I we we tried some of each other's, but the, um, it was like a habanero pineapple salsa or something on it. It was so good. Yeah. And then I got the Alambre California burrito. It was basically a steak burrito with miscellaneous stuff. <laughs> so it, it had like peppers and onions and, and um, cilantro and just the stuff that you would expect in a burrito. And it was really good. And but they had was, a salsa bar that was really good yeah. too. And But my burrito was a little too spicy. I, I was which, being kind of a weenie. <laughs> which, I mean, is saying something because you can you can take a lot of spice. Yeah, but and I, was, I was being a weenie that day, but it, it was good. It was yeah. a really good burrito. Um. So, you know, we... Went back and did the estuary walk. That was really good. Um, on, a, on a full burrito, on a full stomach of burritos. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was fun to see, you know, all kind of the the classic haunts of birds there, like the night herons, you know, mm-hmm. the yellow crown poking her way through the marina, and then the the black crown night heron, like in that tree in the marina parking lot. And, all the vendors, all the optics vendors, like, standing at the edge of the promenade looking for, like, the Merlin that usually hangs out there. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is an interesting thing. So, it's it's right on Marina Village. So, the vendors are all set up on the west side of the building mm-hmm. with all the glass windows right behind them. And then they just basically go take all of their equipment and just go set it right outside. Yeah. They, they can still see it, so it's it's relatively safe. It's all it's all good. But they just have all their optics and on tripods. And there's dozens of every range of scope from the the cheapest scopes to the most expensive scopes just all lined up out there. And you just kind of wander back and forth. If you see, you see something sitting on top of one of the thing on one of the ships, a Merlin or a Kestrel or um, one of the Pelicans you want to look at, you just grab the most expensive scope you can see along there <laughs> and you look at it. So. Or you can use it to, you know, shop comparison. Yeah, well, and, and it's great for comparison because you can you can compare the Suaro side by side with, with the Leica and the Koa and and everything just right there. It's, it's really nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, next day got up, did the same thing. Uh, we ended up seeing a peregrine. Mm-hmm. That this was really this cool. This was super cool. So we were telling everybody like, oh, the peregrine hangs out at the Hyatt, you know, because the the optics vendors always tell us like, there's usually a peregrine up there. Well, there was, there was two years ago too. There was there was peregrine sitting on top of. The I know, Hyatt. but just because we saw it once doesn't yeah. mean it's a it's a thing it's that a good it always spot does. For it, though. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so, anyways, we we're like telling people that when we were standing on the by the in the park that is in between the Hyatt and then Mission Bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like a little park there. Um, and so we're like telling people like, oh, you know, you have to look out at the, the Hyatt to see if there's a peregrine, you know, just doing that whole thing. And as we're saying that, a peregrine flies over our head. And 20, and li- 30 feet above our heads with feathers swooping everywhere, just flying all over from behind it. And the, it lands up at the Hyatt and it is going to town eating something and just yeah. ripping feathers off and like throwing them all over the place. And yeah. so it was all crazy. of our people got was, to see it was, that. It was a whole situation. That, that it bird, was pretty cool. The peregrine was having a great day. That other bird was not having a great day. <laughs> and it was just fe- literally is flying over us and just like a shower of feathers <laughs> as it goes past us. And it's like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what it has, but 
it's it's not uh, not doing too good today. Yeah. <laughs> so that was really cool. That, that was day. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so that that day that day Peregrine Peregrine in the morning and then in the evening we didn't really have anything so I was like okay let's go see if we can. Do one of these secret bars. There's, I know. There's, the there's got to be another secret bar I was that being, we can secretly find. I was being super obnoxious about it. And then Whitney, um, the, the Leica optics vendor, mm-hmm. I was like, come on, you got to go to the secret bar with us. And she was like, I'm busy, Hannah. I don't want to go. <laughs> and I was like, fine, we're going to go without you. <laughs> so I, yeah, I picked out one and... I mean, there's a whole list of them, but it's really nice because there's um, links that you can go to that mm-hmm. have, like, the top ten, like, hidden bars. And well, they, get, they can give you, like, your instructions as to how to, how to get the attention of the waiter to then take you to the secret bar. Because yeah. some of them are very specific. Some of them are really hard. Yeah. Yeah, and also some of them have covers, too, and they have, like, dress codes. So I was looking for something that wasn't that the, 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 intimidating that would, would meet what we can do we're, yeah we're there in shorts and a t-shirt so dress codes kind of and i wasn't gonna pay a 40 dollar cover yeah. charge we, to we, go we in. don't we don't have the money for a cover charge so we're it's kind of like okay well let's so something's gonna meet us in the middle and there and there was lots of different options around town and it's nice that they're all like in the same area really um i think it's like the little italy neighborhood or something that had them but anyways so i found this one that was called um false idol and it was in this restaurant called Craft and Commerce. And oh my gosh, you all, I am so fortunate because like, <laughs> yes. like there was a parking lot next to it and you had to like pay to park. And I was in it a was panic. It was expensive. It was going to be like $20 yeah. to park. And, and like, I, I was in a panic to like go, but like I didn't, we didn't want to pay 20 bucks if it was going to, there was going to be a wait, you know? Yeah. And, if we were going to have to wait three hours and it's like, I don't want to yeah, so I, like, Eric parked, and he was sitting in the car, and I, like, ran in, and I asked the waitress, I was like, hey, can we get into the bar, you know? And it didn't say that there was, like, any specific way to ask to get in. Yeah. So I was just like, can we get into the bar? Can go in? And she's like, oh, yeah, I can seat you. And I was like, really? Two? Right now? And she was like, yeah, 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 I got a table for it, that. I think this was a Friday night or a Saturday night. It was. Yeah. It was a day that was, like... Impossible. There's no way we're getting in. Exactly. <laughs> and so I um, I like, I was like, can you hold it for like two minutes? I got to go get parking figured out. And she was like, yeah, sure. And so I ran out and I was like, Eric, we got to go. We got to go. I got a table. Hurry, pay for parking. I know. And so he, we like brushed over, couldn't figure out how to pay for parking. It took us way too long. And we got it. We got to the the hostess desk she had a line out the door and i was like i was just here you said you could hold the table for me if you can't it's okay we'll just leave no i was not gonna play that i was like you said you could have a table she's like yes yes come on in come on in and she, oh like, my gosh just past I am, who was there that's line. why i was like so fortunate because she like held it for us for a second because i was like thinking okay if I text Eric, like, I got a table and all that, it's going to be too complicated. Eric's going to be like, I don't know what she's talking about. Oh, I, I Generally, I, w- I would argue with you, but that was kind of confusing. Like, if yeah. I would have walked up there and there would have been, like, that crowd that was there when we walked up, like, I don't know. I would have been like, Hannah, I don't know. Come out and help me. <laughs> I know. And then I would have lost the table. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why. As soon as you stayed up, it's gone. I know. So anyways, um, we got into the, the bar and we were sat at a barrel, you know, had two like cocktail seats mm-hmm. and oh my gosh, it was the coolest bar. Yeah. And, and it was so tiki bars. We, we've been to a couple tiki bars. We haven't yeah. really specifically sought them out or anything. We just have happened upon and they end up being the secret bars. Yeah. Secret bars. A lot of times end up being tiki bars, but uh, it, it, it had all the all the the um, the fittings of a of a tiki bar. It had all the decor all around, 
if people order the big fancy special drink, the thunder and lightning goes off and an air siren goes. And and I hate to say it because like the one at Disneyland is really cool, Trader mm -hmm. Sam's. Uh, but this one was like Trader Sam's, but like cooler. Like it, it almost <laughs> had the exact same menu too. It, like I, I'm afraid to say it because I don't want them to like have to shut down oh, no, or yeah. anything. Like, it, it wasn't the same. Sue them. It, it's a tiki. That's that's what they have. They, I know, they but have... the menu looked the same. Yeah. Except that it was bigger. It had more drinks. It had on more it. more options. Um, it was probably cheaper than than Disney's. It probably drinks. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was fully what you expect from a tiki bar. Just like you feel like you're in a pirate's cove of some sort and it's just like yeah i expect i'm gonna walk outside there's gonna be parrots yeah and, and the whole time you have like the, this waterfall running inside and then thunder and lightning are going off so then you walk outside and you're like oh it's still nice out here <laughs> <laughs> so I, anyway. i've just spent the last two hours in thunder and lightning and then i walk outside and it's fine <laughs> okay all right so anyways that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed that tiki bar and yeah. i am just so I, I'm just like patting myself on the back that I got a table <laughs> and everything because I didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. So, so there was another, another secret bar that we didn't go to that I was really interested in, but it had a, um, it had a dress code. The, um, the one that was the lawyer, like you, oh, you, 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 the you, lawyer's office, yeah, the lawyer's office that it was like, it was like so-and-so and so-and-so's law firm mm -hmm. and you like knock on the door and they open it up and ask you ask you the code that you have to look online to find the code. Well, you had to like go onto a website and then you scrolled through the website and when you scrolled through, it would tell you somebody's name. Mm -hmm. And then I think you had to text that name to a phone number and that's like how you would, they yeah. would get you in. So, so there's like this whole code process. It's way too complicated. And, and then you go inside and it's prohibition style. Yeah. So it's like this law office, this prohibition style inside. So it's, it's I, I thought that was hysterical. <laughs> But, also, but my whole thought process of this whole thing is, like, these bars thrive on the fact that they're exclusive, uh -huh. and so they don't advertise. There's no, like, oh, like, the tiki bar. There's, like, in the back of this uh, this restaurant that it's in, the Craft and Commerce, yeah. there's nothing that indicates. I mean, there's a hallway that has some, like, skulls and tiki torches It's not well hidden, though. It's not super hidden. It's, but... like, right behind the, the um, host station is where the entrance is. So, yeah. I mean, like, you can see it you, from there. You, you can see that there's something there, but there's no sign saying this is, well, no. welcome to False Idol. There's no, there's no nothing. It's just kind of, like, there's a secret thing. So, yeah. like, these bars, like, thrive on the fact that they're exclusive and they're, people just happen to know about them. Yeah. So we're going to, so we talked about starting one in our, our home, yes, <laughs> Cannon Beach where we live, time. because there's a, a gas station that's, um, like that might be selling soon, or it's a service station. Mm -hmm. And so we were thinking like, in, you walk into the office of the service station and then in the bays <laughs> is where the, the bar is. Yes. And, and the, the doors just stay down all the time. Yeah. And then you, you just have, it's like, a, it's a mechanic shop. You, yeah. You, you go in, you go into Gary's service station. And it's Gary's service station in the back, and, and you, you get your beers and your uh, and your cocktails. Yeah, and everybody's walking around with like an oily rag and like, <laughs> you know, a onesie on or whatever. They're... Just we're just wearing cup coveralls with a little rag yeah. over their shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Okay, way off topic. Anyway, so anyways, so... Um, yeah, so that was fun. That was our little adventure. Um, but then you know, back to the festival. Mm -hmm. uh, next couple days, we did guiding with uh, the biking and also yeah. we did a couple more estuary walks just for funsies. Yeah, because they are fun. Yeah. And, you know, it was so cool to see everybody after um, two wild years of uh, not being... I mean, I keep saying that because we were at Rio Grande and we were at Rio Indiana. Grand, Indiana and... Uh... 
but and Arizona, but it, it's still, it, it's none, none of it has felt like back to normal, uh, yeah. doing normal stuff yet. And, th- and this festival probably felt the closest back to normal that any of the festivals have felt so far. Like Rio Grande was close. It was, it was really close. It was very scaled back, mm-hmm. but it, it was, it was feeling a lot closer back to, back to a normal festival. But this was definitely by far the closest to a normal fest bird festival that I've seen yet. Well, and it's fun being in San Diego. I just, yeah. I really enjoy it. There's a lot to see and do and, you know, good birds and birds that aren't too far away. Like we did an afternoon, we just went over to Tecolote mm-hmm. and walked around the canyon and we didn't see a whole lot. We saw, um, middle of the afternoon. So yeah, <laughs> we saw, we, I got a pretty good video of a uh, scrub jay. Yeah. So I was excited about that, but yeah, it's just, it's nice doing that. Um, and then seeing San Diego. So <laughs> we're looking forward to going back next year, you know, if they ask us. So. Yeah, if they're interested in having us down again. Yeah. We'll see. I um, bribed Jen, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we said all of our goodbyes. We, we told everyone, hey, we'll see you at the next one. But um, they're all going to ones that we're not going to. So uh, we won't <laughs> see you at the next one you're going to. But the next one we go to, we'll see you there. Yeah. Um, and and then we started, we got on the road and headed north. Um, we did have one more hope. We had Pacific Golden Plover. Mm-hmm. It was still in our mind. We We didn't get a chance to chase him while we were in San Diego. But there was still one. There was a place uh, about halfway halfway through California, the Tipton Wastewater Treatment Plant. It happened to kind of correlate with a good stopping point, too. Mm-hmm. So that worked out. So we spent the night um, in Tipton, I think was the name of the town we stayed in. I think it was it? Tipton, yeah. Um, and then the next morning, you know, five minutes down the highway was where the uh, Golden Plover was being seen. Yeah, so we, we headed down there. Um, finding access to that is... is it's one of those eBird locations that I wish that you could have notes yeah. for how to access for it. how to access locations because it's just says Tipton WWTP or something. Or maybe there's just WTP. A, there's a guy who's been working on that. That's like a it's like a sister website. Yeah. To eBird, um, I can't. I haven't looked recently to see if there's still updates being made to it. Uh, but I mean, there are thousands yeah, and so millions many, so many hot of hotspots and so it's hard for him to get through all of them he was like working on the ohio ones yeah I so it, it, this is an example of a location that would benefit from having like how to bird at this spot yeah like, even if it's just like a two or three sentence like like basically what i'll say right now about it is all <laughs> is all it needs to say about it is here is how to get there <laughs> yeah so you you get there there's a there's a there's the highway going north and south mm-hmm. that's just east of it um you drive up that and then you kind of just take a farm road into it and you just bird around along the south edge of the fence. Yeah. You can't, you can't access it. It's, it's closed off. It's pretty um, small though. It's very small. So it's, it's a very small wastewater treatment plant. Um, it has uh, like two aeration basins and a, and a, uh, like a settling pond and then a, a leach field of some sort. And there's and a whole it. bunch of cows next to it that are staring at you the whole and time. They're staring at you the whole time. And also the gold plover or the plovers, the black bellied plovers mm-hmm. that it was mixed in too. Um, they're kind of all dancing amongst the cow's feet. So you, yeah. you have so, to look at all so, of them, so the, too. the cow's feet were full of black-bellied plovers, and then along the sh- banks of the aeration basin and the settling ponds were tons and tons of black-bellied plovers. Mm-hmm. But mixed into the whole crowd was the Pacific Golden Plover. So finally, we finally. got it. And then uh, at the same time, we realized that uh, Hannah was missing her phone scope attachment. <sighs> <laughs> which was so frustrating oh my gosh that was that was like what are we what are we gonna do because this is like 
It's not like it's the end of the world. It's, it's not. It's, a, it's a twenty thirty dollar. It's what whatever. It's just an attachment that goes to your phone to connect to your scope. It's not like you lost the scope. You just I, lost this plastic. Piece I just to didn't even to realize how attached I was to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was so stressful, and it was like okay, well, and, and that almost ruined the Pacific Golden Plover <laughs> experience of like we finally found this lifer. But um, I got a bunch of photos on on the camera i just um, wanted a video on my phone i know I, I think you took some pictures through that's not good not pulling it up yeah but uh luckily we found it yeah when we Hannah got home once we unpacked it was mixed into a, the bottom of a bag somewhere yeah it somehow got stuffed in there but but yeah so that was that was our road trip down through california and back back up north yeah so it was it was a good time we got a couple lifers yeah. and you know um had a good time at the festival and I look forward to going back and, and, doing and stopping at different national wildlife refuges. I mean, yeah. I feel like every time you drive through California, you could stop at different wildlife refuges. Oh yeah, and you can go different routes too. I mean, there's just there's so much to see in California. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive. It's <laughs> hot at times, but I, there's just a lot. There's a lot, to lot do of traffic. There. there is a lot of traffic. There's but but there's still like you, once once you get away from the cities, mm-hmm. there there's there's a lot to see in California. Yeah, I totally agree. So I think that's it. Uh, thank you all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to us. If you'd like to connect with us, you can do so by following Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. Our Facebook is Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Our Twitter is at We Go Birding. Our TikTok is Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Or you can email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. You can check out our website also, which is www.gobirdingpodcast.com, and you can help us share the love of birding with your friends.